Everybody, 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 drop your Welcome back to Drop Your Buffs. I'm Sean Ross. I am Evan Ross Katz. And we are talking about Survivor 41, Episode 9, Who's Who in the Zoo. Evan, high-level thoughts on this week's episode. We've got a big twist here, double tribal, double elimination. Yeah, uh, I thought it was an exciting episode. A lot happened. Uh, I know we're going to talk about it, but I just thought some of the Shan-Ricard dynamics really came to a head in a really exciting way. And there's definitely a few players that are definitely emerging as frontrunners, and uh, some shakeups are definitely afoot. I will say, though, just the double elimination, splitting the tribes into two like that, not unprecedented. It's happened in Season 36 and again in Season 39. Um, but just because it's not unprecedented does not mean it is necessary. I think it is a little too... I understand from the producer mindset why they wanted to do it because it sort of shook up uh, some of the inevitabilities that seemed like they were going to play out the next couple of eliminations. Uh, but I just don't think it makes sense. And using the Mike White barometer, I don't know what is necessarily fun about it. So, but overall. Yeah, I guess I would agree with you to a certain extent. I don't think that it's necessary and I don't think that it makes sense. I've never loved this twist because if we are in a merged tribe, we should be voting as a merged tribe. That's the point of the dynamic. If they didn't want to merge the tribe this uh, early in the game, then we didn't need to. We could have held off a couple of rounds because they clearly like the uh, dynamic of having less people up for elimination and so we definitely could have held off the merge for a little while and maybe done a, a tribe swap or a tribe consolidation prior to the merge. But having said that, I thought that it was a really fun episode and gave us two kind of exciting tribals, even if they turned out to be somewhat predictable, uh, especially the uh, Evie vote out tribal. Again, it's like, what makes this show ultimately fun and what I think keeps you and I engaged with it even when we're frustrated is that even when you have relatively inevitable outcomes in the end, that's it's it's really the show is so much the sum of its parts and it's really not a matter of like just figuring out, can you figure out who's gonna go home? Can you outsmart the edit, blah, blah, blah. There's so much more going on and I think that's a testament to just casting great characters through 41 seasons. Yeah, I did think, you know, one of my big complaints about double elimination in reality TV in general, uh, particularly when I think back to when I was watching Big Brother, those double elimination shows were like brutal to get through because it's just like, it's just going through the motions of like, okay, we're going to have a challenge and then we're going to do this and then we're going to vote and then we're going to, and then it's done. And we kind of like miss the dynamic. And to Survivor's credit here, I will say that I thought it was a really fascinating episode because we got so much time pre-tribal to see how the strategies came together or didn't come together. And I thought that we actually gleaned quite a bit out of uh, that process and got to see where people fall in the dynamic of their uh, particular groups, but also in the broader merge tribe. So let's get into some of that. Uh, so we're going to get right into the recap. We open after Tribal Council with a little bit of fallout between Shan and Deshaun, who had that uh, 
sort of disagreement at the previous tribal during the live tribal when uh, Shan really wanted to push for getting Heather out and Deshaun wasn't on board. Deshaun comes back and he says he's tired of being steamrolled by Shan and having to follow along with what he calls her sloppy game. Interesting for him to say that because that's kind of what has been said on the internet uh, in the past couple of weeks. And of course, this is music to Evie's ears. And we sort of get this, we sort of get these scenes where we see Evie and Deshaun coming together and potentially making their own little sub alliance, which of course is not going to pan out, but I thought it was interesting. We see Deshaun is willing to consider working outside of his alliance with Shan. Which is especially funny because Deshaun attempted to blow up Evie's game during the last tribal council in revealing to Xander that Evie had told um, told Deshaun about Xander's advantage. Uh, so interesting that that would end up being a potential uh, person for him to work with considering you know what had just played out. Totally. The next morning we see Deshaun and Shan reconciling sort of they have a talk and then uh and then shan continues to tell deshaun what needs to be done and uh, this continues to rub deshaun the wrong way another interesting thing we see is uh, heather and nasir have a bit of a confrontation Uh, they confront each other about what went down during heather's blockbuster live tribal in the episode prior And Xander and Evie are sort of like hovering around this scene and they manage to add to the chaos by throwing Heather under the bus a little bit with Nasir. We see Xander sort of in the background watching, knowing that he was the one that voted for Nasir. Nasir is accusing Heather of having written his name down. And, you know, Heather did herself no favors because she was running around that live tribal telling certain people to vote for Nasir. And Heather turns to Evie for I don't know what reason, for support to say, hey, Evie, who did I tell you to vote for? And Evie's like, well, I, you told me to vote for Nasir. And so, which is true. Uh, I don't know whether Heather thought Evie might uh, sort of make up a little white lie here to help her, but it didn't work. So I thought that that was really interesting. And of course, we see this dynamic, you know, Nasir continues to call Heather, Mama H, and they seem to have like a a somewhat of a relationship that seems to have developed while they were on Luvu together. And we see that play out throughout the episode. And it's really interesting here to see Nasir really feel betrayed by this person, but continue to relate to them on some personal level, even if that doesn't necessarily pan out for their respective games. Yeah, I mean, to borrow a term from Deshaun with regards to Heather's gameplay, definitely sloppy. Uh, Just sort of a strange maneuver. Uh, The first strange maneuver happened at the live tribal, and then sort of her inability to sort of like find her footing once again after the fact uh, was interesting to watch. One little side note, and I'm sure we'll do uh, an episode on this, but just the bringing back the mama trope, the idea of an older woman on this show being the mother to a tribe, I think is really fascinating, especially in comparison into how many papas we've got. I, I can only think of one papa we've ever gotten in Survivor history, but we get a lot of either calling them mama or referring to them as the mother. And I just think that that is putting a player in a box, sometimes unwittingly, that changes other people's perceptions of them in the game and often can put a target on a player because there's a fear of a mother's ability to ingratiate themselves to many players. So I just thought that was interesting to sort of get that first hint at 
who Heather is to the rest of this tribe or to the rest of, yeah, you know, to the rest of the tribe, because we haven't gotten a lot of that. And yeah. then real quick, I just wanted to say uh, with regard to the that Shan to Sean dynamic, I think one of the things that's really making the dynamics of this tribe exciting for the viewers is particularly with Shannon Ricard and Shannon Deshawn is watching a player as strong and domineering as Shan be able to have not one, but two formidable allies who could easily become foes and sort of like take her on. And I think that we've seen a lot of seasons, I mean, most memorably Samoa, where you have someone like a Russell, and I'm not, I'm not comparing Russell and Shan in, in terms of their gameplay, but you have two really domineering personalities. But in the case of with Russell, it's like no one was willing to go up against him. And what's exciting about this Shan dynamic that's really been percolating for some time um, with Ricard for a while, and then increasingly with Deshaun, is that you have players as strategic-minded and as smart as her that could really, if they choose to, flip the switch on her. Yeah, I think this will-they-won't-they they dynamic has been some of the most fascinating stuff on season 41. And, you know, we haven't really gotten a hint that Ricard is willing to flip on Shan. We've just seen Ricard in many instances uh, frustrated with Shan in terms of not wanting to go along with what his plan is and he's feeling like he is uh, I don't want to say smarter but coming up with better moves and it's taking convincing to get her on board so I think especially with the Deshaun Shan dynamic I think the will they won't they is really interesting and I really hope it pans out to be something because I thought it was going to this episode and it didn't but let's talk about the Campout Alliance for a second, because we also get this scene where the uh, Campout Alliance of Danny, Deshaun, Liana, and Shan get together, plus Ricard, and they have a strategy talk in plain sight of Xander and Erica, and they're fully discussing that they should eliminate Xander and Erica. And then we see Erica and Xander sitting there being like, look at them. They really think that they have all the power here. And... You know, we actually have, you know, we have five here. If, it, if it's two and the other three, we can get together and we can disrupt this power alliance. So that is an interesting dynamic. Again, a little bit frustrating that it didn't quite pan out. And we can talk about whether it did or not in terms of the Nasir vote uh, a little bit later. But one more thing I want to say uh, before we get to the immunity challenge is that we finally get reference to Ricard's hearing. Uh, we get this really interesting scene where Ricard explains to his tribe mates, uh, those who didn't know, I guess, up until this point, that he is deaf in his right ear and how much he has to rely on reading body language as a result of that and reading lips. And they do this editing trick where they muffle the speech of the of the contestants while Ricard is talking about this in a confessional and then sort of like zoom in on lips and they zoom in on Liana's lips and it's a little like uh, I appreciate that they play with the editing this season I sort of wondered how Ricard would feel about it because they're sort of like trying to give the viewers a perspective of Ricard's which may or may not be accurate but I did see that he tweeted that he was really really happy with that scene and I think he even posted it on Instagram saying like you know, that he appreciates that it's in there and, and he's really happy with the end result. So I'm glad to hear that. And I thought it was like just 
really refreshing that they finally put this in the show because for anybody who was following the preseason material or was reading up on these contestants outside of the TV show, they would know that this is part of Ricard's story and it was weird that it wasn't included just as a character building uh, piece of information. Absolutely. I I think one thing I I am aligned with you in the sense of I really would defer to Ricard. um, And this is something hopefully we'll talk to him about eventually, but to see how he felt the depiction, how he, you know, what he thought of the depiction. Um, It definitely, it can go either way. You could be someone that's like, I appreciated sort of getting the perspective of being a little bit more on the inside through the the trick that they did with the edit, or you could conceive that it's kind of cheesy. Um, I don't really fall in one category. I thought it was, I appreciated, as you pointed out, that we were sort of giving this airtime. I will say I found it odd that on day 19, we are finally having this conversation amongst the tribe. I was just thinking in contrast to Christy, um, the only other deaf contestant on the show from season six, how that was brought up on day one for her with her tribe. And I'm just curious if Ricard was consciously not talking about it with the tribe, um, if he had had private conversations with others, and this is the first time he was kind of talking about it with the group, I'm not sure. The only reason I mention that is because I do think there are ramifications to his deafness within this game that it's important to tell his other castmates uh, or tribe mates rather so that they know you know i think one of the things Mm -hmm. christy was saying in particular in her season was at night when you lose the ability to read lips uh christy who was partially deaf in both ears um she really lost her ability to communicate at night so for like half of the time out there and so that's something I'm sure Ricard is contending with on some level. And so I, I, I would be curious to know from, um, I don't even want to call it strategically because that's not really what it is, just from the uh, social dynamics mm-hmm. rather, you know, not even gameplay aspect. Uh, I think it would be important to talk to your tribemates about that. So I am curious uh, just for a little bit more of the backstory. Yeah, totally. And so Christy's not the only other deaf person. We had Nina in world i'm so sorry yes yes Mm -hmm. yes 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 oh my god the nina erasure and and uh, i saw that on under ricard's tweet donathan from ghost island responded and said i am also deaf in my right ear i did not tell survivor this uh but i you know i appreciate you sharing your story so i thought that that was really interesting because there's also a whole other dynamic uh you know when you're, you may have something that's going to, uh, uh, I don't want to say hinder, but going to be something that you bring into the game, which is going to set you apart from other people. There may be an aspect where you don't even want to tell the show that because you don't want to uh, put yourself at a disadvantage or like a, a perception of being at a disadvantage from the beginning. Well, it makes uh, one think about Zeke's experience on Millennials versus Gen X and how mm-hmm. uh, the fact that he was trans was not a part of his storyline whatsoever. I imagine I imagine the producers knew, but even if they didn't, it's I, I have to speculate, and hopefully we'll have Zeke on one day to talk about it, but there was a choice on his part to say, I don't want my narrative on this show to be about my transness. I want my narrative on the show to be about the fact that I'm going to fucking win. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, super duper interesting, but I do apologize for that Nina erasure because Nina is a queen. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's go to the immunity challenge. So here is where we get our twist of the episode because there has to be one in every single episode apparently. So in this twist, uh, which we saw, as you say, in Ghost Island and Island of the Idols, we have a double elimination where the Merge Tribe is split into two randomly divided 
uh, teams of five. So someone from each team will win immunity, and each team will go to tribal council separately and vote someone out. In addition, the team that lasts longer between the two teams will also win reward they're gonna win beef and chicken stew jeff didn't go crazy like that but i wish he had (laughs) so the challenge is uh, one that i really love it's called uncomfortably numb which requires players to balance on a narrow perch while holding onto a handle above their heads the the one that i often think about is david versus goliath which went on for a really long time and you had this really uh funny sort of back and forth between christian who ultimately won that and jeff where they just kind of like chit chatted uh this one didn't go quite as long i don't think uh but Let's get into the teams. So the two teams are Erica, Ricard, Shan, Nasir, and Heather, and then Deshaun, Evie, Liana, Xander, and Danny. This was kind of interesting for me because I thought immediately Ricard and Shan are in trouble here because they're the two Uwas, they're a two like tight person alliance, and Nasir, Heather, and Erica could easily target one of the two of them if neither of them wins immunity. The other team uh, was also somewhat interesting because we had, uh, you know, part of the majority alliance here having the majority, Deshaun, Liana, and Danny up against the former Yasas, Evie and Xander. So that felt a little bit uh, predetermined, not predetermined, but it seemed like a foregone conclusion that if Evie didn't win immunity here, they would go home. And partially because Xander has an immunity idol. I assumed if he wasn't going to win, he was going to play it, and it would be really hard to get one of the three of them to flip on their own. Yeah, I was to to go back to the first tribe, I was really surprised it seemed so obvious uh, that Nasir would team up with Erica and with Heather, and so the fact that that... Maybe I'm jumping ahead a little, but the fact that that got so quickly shut down... Um, I just I, I expected a little bit more strategy mindedness from Nasir. And mm-hmm. so uh, we didn't get that. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to talk about Liana's edit during this challenge. So ultimately, Erica wins immunity on her team and Xander wins immunity on his team. But when after Liana falls out, she gets these uh lines of dialogue here about Xander and her hatred for Xander is highlighted because she says, look at his face. I hate his face. I could die. Which, to be fair, Xander's face has been very dirty since day two. (laughs) He's he's not exfoliating out there on the island. But this felt like very immature to me and just something that you don't need to vocalize. There's other ways to say it. Like, for example, we saw Shan cheering on Nasir when it came down to Nasir versus Erica. That's a way to do it. You know, you could have cheered on Deshaun, who was uh, up against Xander in the end. But instead, she like is focused on she's hyper focused on Xander. And it's sort of been this way ever since, you know, what was it? Episode four my million dollar mistake when she was literally crying on the beach over uh, not being able to vote Xander out and I think she has a point I mean like 
I get it. I got it back then when Xander clearly was like stacked with advantages. It would have been smart to get him out. Uh, instead, they got Voce out. But as the weeks go on, Liana continues to see this person who's still stacked with the same advantages, make it through and make it through and make it through. So I understand where she's coming from, but it's coming out in a really bizarre kind of immature way that I think could actually be her million dollar mistake. Well, yeah, for, for several reasons. I mean, one, to not realize that it would be advantageous to kind of suppress those feelings, even if they are genuine a little bit more, um, because there's a world in which she has Xander wrapped around her finger, right? She makes Xander think that they are in some sense aligned. So the fact that she's so willing to be uh, against him and have him know that, and then on top of that, for her to be openly telling other people um, about her very personal disdain for Xander. I don't see that benefiting her gameplay in any way. If I were Liana at this point, I would be going to Xander and making some kind of final two and being like, let's play on the mm -hmm. low. Even if I weren't planning on seeing it through, I guess I never understand these players who build up such personal animosity when they could so easily have a target put on them and have someone who's going to have their name, someone like Xander is going to have Liana's name on his mind over a Danny, over a Heather, over an Erica, because, hey, there's someone on this island who does not like me. I should take them out. So I think, again, going back to the word of the day, it's just very sloppy gameplay. I also was trying to think of, and I, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but just like other dynamics like this. And the, the one that came to mind was the Courtney Jean Robert. But in that instance, Courtney sort of has a reason uh, to not like Jean Robert that's like bigger than the game. So I know th these dynamics aren't new. We've seen players with sort of like a vendetta bigger than the game, but I definitely think this is only serving to hurt her game in no way advance it. Yeah, I think that this this happens uh, some semi-frequently, but I think that the game has progressed to a point where players realize that they shouldn't broadcast this. It becomes a disadvantage for everybody else to know where you're sitting in terms of uh, who else is on the tribe because it just like immediately eliminates your opportunity to play that person, uh, as we'll see happen between Liana and Xander a little later. Uh, and it it also just like cuts any potential for working with these people, which is kind of the way that it needs to be done. You do, you make a final two deal. Like you work with somebody, even though you hate them. I mean, that's like kind of standard practice at this point. Do you know, I'm trying to think, and maybe this is Courtney Jean Robert. There's some, and I, again, I don't mean to put you on the spot. There's someone that I'm thinking of where like it was a male and a female and they hated each other so much. And the male eventually went home and the female had like a gotcha moment at tribal or something. Yeah. I mean, think back to Russell and Sandra in Heroes versus Villains. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. Yes. And they yes. knew that they had to work together because they simply needed the numbers if they were going to make certain moves. And they ride that thing all the way to the end. That is a great example. And further underlines Sandra's gameplay that doesn't often get talked about. Don't want to deviate too far. But yes, great example. Yeah, and disdain. I mean, she burns his damn hat before tri Hello. tribal council. Like, it gets personal, and that's fun. This is just personal and not really fun. Uh, it's it, it's because it's just a little high school.
I do want to add one thing, though. There is a version of this story in which Xander shares said disdain with Liana, and they're just not showing it in the edit. Or some other things could have played out that we just aren't mm -hmm. seeing. So I definitely think that we are getting an edit that depicts Liana a little bit as, like, going really hard after Xander. But for all we know, he is deserving of that. Or, you know, there's just more to the dynamic. So, again, this is one of those instances where it seems one way, but, like, there's obviously the the reality in which liana is a little bit more justified in her feelings than we're ever going to see yeah so as i said erica wins the immunity for uh, on her team and she looks shocked she's actually the first woman to win this challenge which is great for her i was really excited for her and she talks about how she had been you know dreaming of this moment since she was a kid and you know i i buy that she's a lifelong survivor fan so it's great to see our hometown girl my hometown girl win immunity uh, and then xander wins on the other team also winning the stew back at camp which he uh, enjoys thoroughly and the teams will be separated. This is interesting. The teams are going to separate beaches before tribal. So I can't remember if this is how this played out on Ghost Island and Island of the Idols. But it's interesting because it just means that you cannot cross strategize. So the a majority alliance cannot talk about what the best move for each team might be. They're kind of left to determine that for themselves and we even see them wondering like what's going to happen on the other beach and trying to think of what the dynamics on the other team are uh, ahead of going to tribal so in addition to this i mean this is like a big big twist and again not unprecedented but like so not only do you have the two eliminations uh but you have as you mentioned this sort of separation in terms of the ability to strategize and then you have the second uh tribal council that group has the awareness of the first mm -hmm. try what happened there because you know the person goes onto the jury straight away which can totally change the gameplay you could totally readjust your vote going into that tribal based off of who was just you know brought onto the jury so there's just so many ways in which like this challenge impacts so many things and without a lot of like wiggle room because mm -hmm. the one thing you always have in this game no matter what is the ability to strategize but when you separate the beaches like that it's just like in the case of someone like evie um there was you know her option excuse me their options were so limited with what they could do and the idea of like potentially, you know, walking around and having private conversations with the other nine players, you're down to four. Then you have all these idols and advantages, which no, you know, really aren't being played. So we're sort of moving towards an, uh, you know, uh, advantage get in, I guess is the term I hear on mm -hmm. podcasts a lot. Uh, so I'm just, I, I was sort of bummed. I wish that they would have been together and been able to sort of see if things could have been mixed up more. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess with this twist, functionally, it ends up being a tribe swap. It ends up, you know, for one day, they go back to a tribal dynamic where they're living at separate, be separate beaches. And if that's the case, I almost would prefer them to just call it that. Like, that would be an interesting twist because we've never seen them go, on, go from merge tribe to separate tribes. And even if it's just for one round, if this is what we're doing, it might be interesting to see that happen and see the gravity of that you know it might actually affect the vote more just to have uh th that term put onto it whereas this is very like okay we're just going to separate you and you'll play separate just for like 
a few hours and then we'll come back. But if we left it hanging, and actually Ricard says this on the way out of the challenge arena, he says to Jeff, and then we'll go back to the merge beach, Jeff. And Jeff confirms yes, because uh, at this point, they're expecting anything to happen. And I actually thought that that was really interesting and, and imagined a scenario where that was actually a twist that that we went from merge to separate tribes, uh, at least for one round. I thought that would be actually really interesting. Not saying yeah, I would love would it, fun. but it would be interesting. Yeah. You know, new buffs. <laughs> so let's talk about what happens because the Erica team goes back to Ua Beach. Fun to see Ua. We didn't think we'd see that again. And actually their, their shelter is still sort of in place. Uh, so... What's going on there is that Shan wants to vote out Heather because obviously she can't vote for Erica and we've seen her wanting to target Erica earlier in the episode. And so she's defaulting to Heather as Erica's closest ally. And Nasir's on board with this. Nasir and Shan say, this is great. We don't have to play our idols. Uh, Meanwhile, Erica and Heather are feeling pretty stuck. And they're like, well, I guess we'll target Nasir or Shan just because they're threats with idols, but they don't have the numbers at this point. That's when Ricard sees an opportunity. He doesn't see Heather as a threat because she doesn't have a lot of allies. In fact, she has, he, as he sees it, her only ally is Erica, and she has no advantages. So Ricard pitches to Erica and Heather to get Nasir out. Right, so he doesn't want to get Shan out because Shan, I guess, is still his number one. And he's got Nasir here who has an idol who's loyal to him, but maybe not so necessary in terms of where the numbers are falling. So he goes to Heather and Erica with this. They're thrilled. And then he has to go convince Shan to target Nasir over Heather. What did you think about this strategy? I mean, I just think that Ricard is playing the most high strategy game of any player this season. I thought it was brilliant. I thought he everything he said was absolutely correct. And his ability to will this into being. So his ability to put his strategy into motion to convince another very dominant player to acquiesce to his want. I just think he managed so many things well here, both in how he approached Heather and Erica and perhaps earn some goodwill with them down the line Mm -hmm. for himself, while also going to Shan, changing the vote, but doing it in a way that showed her that it benefited the both of them down the line. And then on top of that, getting rid of her extra vote to deplete her advantages moving ahead. He was able just to do a lot with very little, and I was very impressed. Yeah, yeah. And I was thrilled to see it because... Look, I think that Shan's plan was a good plan. I think it was a good plan for Shan to get rid of Heather. Uh, I think that made perfect sense. In fact, it might have been the better move for Shan than getting rid of Nasir because Nasir was so loyal to Shan and Ricard. And meanwhile, Shan has uh, some dissension going on among her other allies, particularly Deshaun. Uh, she still has this sort of contentious relationship with Ricard, although I don't really see them splitting at this point. Uh, but if anyone was going to split, I would see Ricard splitting from Shan because he seems to be the one that's so- sort of always playing like two steps forward. So I don't know if it was the best move for Shan, but Ricard navigated it so well that he convinced her that this was the better move. It was a power move. They could both have credit for it. 
And what he did with the extra vote was genius, I thought. And we can get into that when we talk about the voting. But he goes to Shan and he says, uh, we need to cast the extra vote in order to split the vote between Heather and Nasir. And Ricard wants to cast the extra vote. And I think that there's a reason for this, which we can, uh, but I want to hold it off till the tribal discussion. Uh, Shan won't give Ricard the extra vote. This is a, this is a storyline that is ongoing, multi-episode arc uh, of the extra vote. And uh, I think that in this scenario, we're seeing why, although Shan is a really great strategist and a really great player of the game, she's more of a player of people. Whereas Ricard, I think, is a player of numbers. He gets how the mechanics of the game works and he gets where votes are going to fall and what needs to be done and how to take advantage of the advantages. So he says, let me cast the extra vote. She's like, hell no, I will cast the extra vote, which I love. I just love seeing their dynamic together because it's so, uh, they're so at odds. They're such, they're both so alpha and they both want credit for the moves and they both want to be the one who does the thing. And I think in part it's because they don't trust each other or they both see each other as such strong players that at some point they know one or the other is going to try to get the other out. Uh, and they never want to put themselves in the position where they're giving the other more power than they should. So uh, I think that this was like really, really fascinating. Another fascinating scene of the dynamics between Shan and Ricard. Agreed. But let's go over to the Viacana beach uh, and talk about that. This is a little bit more straightforward. Essentially, Deshaun, Danny, and Liana are planning to vote out Evie. And meanwhile, Evie and Xander talk about voting out Liana. Liana, however, is concerned that Xander could play his idol for Evie and Liana would get sent home. So Liana goes and <laughs> pulls Xander aside for one of her cute little strategy sessions. And Liana suggests that they should vote for Deshaun. She sort of is like, I'd vote for Deshaun, Xander, if you're going to do that, because I know that otherwise you're my target and you could play your idol for Evie. And Xander's kind of like, oh, you would do that? Okay, okay, good. Um, and then Liana says, yeah, but I would need some insurance. I would need you to give me your idol, essentially. I think that I'm putting it in better words than she did, but I think that essentially what she said was like, if if we go forward with this plan, I need you to hand me your idol. I won't play it. I'll give it back to you, but I need your idol and uh, and then I'll feel safe and I'll be able to trust you. And she asks, so you would do that? And Xander says, uh, no, I'm not to you. I'm not giving it to you. So it's it was just such like, a baffling thing that I don't even think you don't even get a satisfying reaction shot from Xander because it's such a bizarre ask that he's mm -hmm. so thrown off by um, that. Yeah, it's I, it, there's no how did we get there is like the yeah. question. Like I, I really like want to like open up Liana's brain to figure out because it makes me think from that moment that Liana really does not have a grasp on her social game because, you know, thinking about it from Liana's perspective, she thought that was a realistic ask. So that just is really difficult to understand because she's not an idiot, but that was idiotic. And so, how? yeah, how, how? She has the mind of a master, mastermind. 
so we see Xander go to Deshaun and Danny and pitch voting Liana out. He says, I'm voting for Liana. Evie's voting for Liana. Like, you should join us because I could play my idol for Evie. And Deshaun is flip-flopping here. He's, like, seriously considering voting Liana out, and it seems like it might happen. And then sort of, like, right before Tribal, Xander and Danny have a conversation where Xander's kind of, like, confirming, yeah, we're all good on this Liana plan. And Danny's like, oh, yeah, we're voting out Evie. And that was kind of confusing. Like, it's, again, not a great moment for Danny, who had been doing quite well up until recently. Well, well, (laughs) the thing with Danny he's not done anything significant yet that we, at least that we have seen. So I'm always trying to think like at any given moment, if we had to go into the final three and you had to argue to the jury, uh, I'm not really sure what, like Danny feels very much just like a number within his alliance. So I am waiting for Danny to kind of like break away, to come up with a strategy on his own or to make some kind of significant move. I do want to say real quick though, this uh, vote was very quite obvious if you kind of thought things through because Deshaun was not on great terms with uh, Shan, was separated from Shan. If Deshaun were to backstab his alliance and take out Liana, And mind you, Deshaun's one advantage that he had was used previously. So Deshaun has nothing in his arsenal. He would be pissing off Shan, who has, in his mind, an idol and an advantage. And he would be going against his closest ally, who I believe is Danny. So there just was nothing advantageous to really make it seem as though Deshaun was actually had any reason to flip. That was the part of this that, like, I found hard to justify from the edit side the fact that it really was a nail-biter when it seemed just so clearly that Evie was going home. Well, it would have had to be Deshaun and Danny flipping together, which I could have seen happening. I could have seen it happening because I think that their bond with Nasir is stronger than Shan's bond with Nasir just having lived together for so long on Luvu Beach. And I think that they could have explained to Shan why they voted out Liana. She wouldn't have been happy, but I think she would have, like, gotten through it. Mm, That makes sense. So let's go to Tribal. The Erica team heads to Tribal first. I'm calling it the Erica team because she won immunity. So I'm putting some respect on Erica here. We see Tiffany already sitting in the jury box, uh, not so glammed up. She's wearing her, like, Tribal clothes. She's wearing her island clothes, but they're clean. But it's the same outfit as she wore on the island. I don't know if this is like a new rule or she just really loves that yellow uh, plaid shirt. <laughs> it's weird, though, that she doesn't get a moment where Jeff is like, let's bring in the jury. She's just I thought uh, that was odd as well. Um, and- however, I don't know if you were going to mention this, but I do think that Tiffany got the moment of the night um, mm-hmm. by a long shot when the largest bug that's ever existed decided to land on Tiffany's breasts. And the way that Tiffany, and this is like, gosh, need to do like a deep dive on Tiffany at some point, but doesn't even bat an eye and just flicks it off. I was watching with my boyfriend last night. He was like, you would have ended your life in that moment. I would have been terrified. Oh yeah, you you hate bugs. Hate bugs. Especially that wasn't a bug. That was like that was like a conglomeration of many bugs who who came together and fused into a super bug. Anyway, I am just like enamored by the fact that Tiffany is just like NBD. Um, go Tiffany, go Tiffany, go. It was twenty bugs in a trench coat. Okay, we have a voice memo about the bug. 
Oh, Let great. me play this voice memo from Scott. Hey, Sean and Evan, this is Scott from NYC. Uh, I love the podcast. My favorite unsung survivor would definitely have to be Sydney from the second Brains vs. Bronze vs. Beauty. Uh, she just did an amazing job, and I would love to see her get another shot uh, for the million dollars um, once the odds aren't so stacked, stacked against her, excuse me, um, with the new CBS diversity push. Um, this week, though, I just have to say, I have so many thoughts on this episode, on the entire season. As a long-term Survivor fan, it is soul-crushing to watch sometimes all these changes. But the thing that I wanted to call in about was the second-slash-third member of the jury uh, that visited Tiffany while she was sitting there. If that is the kind of reaction that one needs in order to be on Survivor, then my Survivor dreams are definitely crushed because she, like, looked at it, flicked it, it didn't move or it moved a little, she had to flick it again, and there was no, like, screaming or running around. Um, Jeff and the other the tribe members didn't scream and run around, and I was just floored at this monster that they were all just like, oh, hey. So, I mean, I assume that there's a lot of stuff that they deal with, uh, but I really enjoyed seeing that um, and really enjoyed Tiffany's reaction that we got more of Tiffany. Uh, I hope that comes again and, and we could get more of her on camera again because I really am missing her. Um, and anyway, just wanted to share that my Survivor dreams were crushed last night because I would be flipping out. All right, thanks so much. Have a great day. Yeah, I, I would fully go catatonic. Real quick, uh, justice for Sydney. Sydney, who was not given a single opportunity to speak during the reunion, despite making it to the very end, mm. I think that Sydney deserves honest to goodness justice. So thank you for bringing up Sydney's name. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that Tiffany must be so used to bugs by now. I think they all must be so used to bugs. That wasn't a bug. I mean, <laughs> It's, it's just not the it's same big. thing. It's the size of a palm, for sure. Like, oh my god. And it was shiny, and it had a shell. It was like a beetle. It was a huge beetle. Oh my god. I didn't love it, but it was a funny moment. It was great. For so her. Uh, yeah, so we do see Tiffany glammed up with uh, an accessory, the bug. Uh, oh, real quick side note for anyone out there that has not watched Tiffany's Ponderosa, do yourself a favor. Yes. It is a short film that. I mean, if the if we're gonna, I mean, Emmys this show has, but this could be the show's first real shot at the short film Oscar because it is just impeccable start to finish, and you really it gives you like this Tiffany that we got glimpses of all season. It gives you eight and a half minutes of just pure Tiffany shot in your veins. It's fantastic. Yeah, they shouldn't have even released it. They should have premiered it at Sundance. It's that agreed, great. agreed. Yeah, it's great. So uh, we come into tribal here. Jeff asks uh, first of all. Jeff asks them, why does everyone know what everyone has in terms of advantages? And they're all like, um, huh. because of you, Jeff, because you've made it so overly complicated now that we had to broadcast that we had idols or we're trying to activate idols. We're all going to the prisoner's dilemma island and like telling each other how it works. And then we have to come back and explain what happened. Like, that's why everyone knows. And he seems a little perturbed by this, but hey, it's his game. Yeah. Also, just just real quick, but on that, it's like one thing that occurred to me with, with, with when he made that comment was the fact that like 
I guess we're just to believe all of the idols have are gone. So like one thing this season has completely lacked besides those first couple episodes is like there's been no idol hunting. There's been they moved to the one after the merge. There was no new idol planted, or if there. I don't know. We've got mm-hmm. no mention of that mm-hmm. whatsoever. Next week is the first opportunity we'll have with Nasir's idol going back uh, onto the beach uh, for just the idea that someone could secretly have an idol. That is one thing that is completely missing from the strategy this season is you don't really have to worry about splitting votes. Uh, it's more a matter of if someone flips, but you don't have to worry about splitting in the sense of you know exactly where the idols are at all times. Yeah, unless someone hands their idol to somebody, which has not happened yet. People are hoarding their advantages at this point. So uh, one other thing that happens in this tribal is that Heather gives an Oscar-worthy performance complete with crocodile tears, convincing Nasir that she believes that she's going home because this is all part of the plan, right, to get Nasir out. And uh, what happens here is we end up in a tie vote between Heather and Nasir, and on the re-vote, Nasir goes home. But let's talk about this now because I said we would talk about the extra vote. And wait, can I pause sure. you real quick? Sorry, just because, so just on the Heather thing real quick because I agree about the Oscar performance, but this has me thinking: who is playing Heather in the movie of Heather's life? Because I'm getting right now, I'm getting Jennifer Jason Lee mm. is who's coming to mind. But does anyone come to mind for you? Kim Basinger. Oh wow. <laughs> Love that. Hey, for next week, can people call in and let us know who is playing Heather in the movie of her life? Okay. Onward and upward. Sorry. Okay. So uh, let's talk about the extra vote because here's how the vote goes down. Nasir votes for Heather. Ricard votes for Heather. Shan votes for Heather and Nasir using her extra vote. And then Heather and Erica both vote for Nasir. So we have a 3-3 tie with the extra vote coming into play. And originally I was thinking like, why tie it up, right? So I think that the plan that like wasn't fully made clear in the edit, probably because it's a complex plan, which like credit to Ricard for coming up with this, is that they're clearly creating a safety net for themselves and possibly even like a safety net on top of a safety net. So if they didn't use the extra vote, if they both voted for Nasir and Nasir voted for Heather, Erica and Heather could have realized that they had an opportunity to get Ricard or Shan out. They could have put their votes on either Shan or Ricard. And if Nasir places idol in this scenario, Shan or Ricard go home. Because Nasir's two votes get canceled out. There's only one vote for Heather. And Erica and Heather's vote decides who goes home. Okay, I get it. After like a lot of unpacking in the interim between the episode and now... I'm going to again repeat, if this is a kid's show, (laughs) as Jeff is really sort of like hell-bent on leaning into, that is so complicated. It is so complicated to unpack and untangle. Like, I need a chart. It's it, it's wonderful gameplay on Ricard and Shan's part, but it is it is a high level of gameplay that makes me just wonder. Like when we talk about like these young prospective survivor players, it's like I would love to hear them unpack this level of strategy. But again, credit to Ricard and Shan, great great. Move. Yeah, I, the thing is, I don't think this show wants us to understand the move because they didn't explain right. it, and I think this 
makes it very clear why Ricard wanted to play the extra vote, because this is where it gets tricky. Because clearly the reason Ricard was asking for the extra vote is because he knows, they. I mean, anybody with an extra vote knows that an extra vote carries through to a revote. So you get that extra vote the first time you cast it, and if there's a tie and you revote, you get that extra vote again. And that's where the power really comes from an extra vote. So if the target was Shan, say, because she has an idol, she would be the more likely target between Ricard and Shan, she doesn't vote in a revote. So the extra vote is no longer in play. So that's why it makes sense that Ricard wanted to cast the extra vote. It wasn't so that Ricard could be the one to make the move. It was so that they could ensure that the extra vote would be usable on the revote. Because if it's not usable, they're screwed. So that's where the that's where the safety net sort of had a hole in it, is that Shan wasn't willing to give up the extra vote to Ricard. Unless they really suspected that maybe Ricard was actually going to be the target in case Shan pulled out an idol. But ultimately, all of this was for naught because Erica and Heather didn't... Uh, we don't even know if they came up with this plan, uh, and they certainly didn't enact it. So ultimately, they didn't need to be concerned, but it was a really, really smart move, I thought, and I think full credit for Ricard to, to think this through sort of like two steps ahead and think through asking for the extra vote, even though... Shan wouldn't relinquish it to him. I thought it was a great, great move for Ricard. Great episode for Ricard. Concur. So Nasir is voted out and immediately joins the jury. His idol is gone with him. And this is interesting that he joins the jury because then the Xander team arrives and sees that Nasir is voted out. And uh, we do have a voice mail about this. So we'll, we'll pause on our thoughts of Nasir joining the jury immediately because uh, I think there's a lot to talk about there. But uh, this tribal's a little bit more straightforward. Jeff has how they're all feeling, and they're all feeling pretty good. <laughs> and uh, Yeah, great question, Jeff. <laughs> yeah. Xander and Evie clearly believe that Deshaun was going to vote with them because they both vote for Liana. You know, it's not like Xander uh, casts a vote for Evie as a sign of solidarity with the rest of uh, the three-person alliance on this team. Uh, he does, in fact, vote for Liana, which suggests to me that he believed that Liana was actually going to go home. Uh, and so, unfortunately, Danny, Deshaun, and Liana stick together. They vote out Evie. It's a three-to-two vote, and Evie is gone. And I'm so sad to see Evie go here because uh, they were such a huge character such a huge character on yasa it's like strategic mastermind on yasa and so interesting and exciting to watch and a great confessionalist and just like all around really really exciting player on season 41 and of course our first non-binary player uh though they had not uh, come out you know prior to filming season 41 uh, uh they are non-binary and I think that that adds a lot to the show and sort of like the history of the show and the casting moving forward. So I just think Evie was so, so great and I'm really going to miss them. I also just think it's exciting having a non-binary player who uses they, them pronouns. I want to say Evie does also use she, her pronouns, but mm -hmm. I think that one of the nice things is as someone who listens to various Survivor podcasts and reads Survivor recaps and whatnot, I think it's great for more people to sort of uh, get 
uh, comfortable with using they them pronouns and so I think it's great to have a person on a platform like Survivor with a fandom that maybe is not accustomed to using they them pronouns and and introduce it into their lexicon and I know it's like a small thing but I actually think it's quite significant so I think Evie's impact on this show um, it really can't be overstated and I think Evie as you just said is like just a really important character who got dealt a bad hand at the game and did the best that they could uh, but I, I would be hard pressed to find anyone that would, you know, have anything negative to say about Evie's gameplay and time on the show. Yeah. So there's one thing I want to talk about with this vote, which uh, I was hoping we would get a voicemail about, but we didn't. And it's uh, really a failed opportunity from Xander to use his extra vote here. Yes. I Uh, I think if Ricard was on this team, we would have seen the extra vote play because I don't know whether Xander considered this option or even thought through what could have been done. It could have been... Sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. What? <laughs> well, no, can I say it just because I'm so proud of myself for having thought of this? Because I, I'm sure it's <laughs> sure. obvious to a lot of people. <laughs> Tell us. But maybe, well, hopefully we're thinking of the same thing. Okay, so this is what I, because I was going through my head. Is Okay, is this about Xander's extra vote? Mm-hmm. Okay, right. So this is one of the, the things, okay. So, and Sean, jump in if I'm misleading. Okay, so if Xander were to have gone and used his extra vote, and put it on Liana, it would have gotten us to a 3-3 tie, which then would have resulted in a revote in which Evie and Liana were out, were not able to vote. And in mm-hmm. theory, because you can use, as you just mentioned, because you can use that extra vote again in the revote, we could have gone down again to a 2-2, and because Xander is immune, it would have meant it would have been either Deshaun or Danny. That's right. So essentially what would have happened is that uh, we would have forced a tie, forced a tie again, and then, uh, I mean, before forcing the tie again, I think Xander would say, I've got an extra vote. I'm putting two votes on Liana. One of you join me or you're out. And I think that's where we we would have seen Deshaun and or Danny flip on Ooh, Liana. That would have been just fireworks. And like it would it would achieve getting Liana out for Xander. Plus it would achieve Deshaun getting to vote out Liana without having the blood on his hands. Exactly. It's yeah. so masterful. I just want to say though, this is one of the fun things about the Survivor verse that is so different for me as a newbie versus Drag Race, which is like this competition show that I loved, whereas like this level of strategizing and gameplay, I don't know. I, I, I don't know any other television show that has this in it, that it's like, not only do you get all these twists and turns, but if you're, if you're, if you've watched enough of it, enough of the show, or you have that sort of mind, you can even play out scenarios that are like, just crazy that didn't even happen but are still fun to play out in your head and imagine what could have been and the ramifications that choices that weren't made could have had on the game moving forward i love it yeah so ultimately we don't really get the power alliance uh shaken up here at all i mean nasir does leave but he was not in the core of that alliance as we understand it so i don't see it as a big shift in terms of the power this was a little bit disappointing for me because I thought that this twist was uh, really not engineered to disrupt the status quo, but it certainly had the opportunity to. And unfortunately, just with the way that the tribes shook out and then the way that the tribals went down, it didn't really happen. I do think it's significant that Nasir went home with an idol in his pocket, 
But I think it's really disappointing that Evie went home and was quite predictable. Yeah, what a bummer. Let's get into some voice memos because we got a lot this week and I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to play them all, but we're going to try to get through as many as we can because they're always all so great. Let's go first to Will. Hey, Sean and Evan. My name is Will. Uh, First off, I want to say thank you guys so much for your podcast. Um, I recently relocated back to my hometown in the suburbs of Philly and I'm working construction for my dad. And Thursday's afternoons are currently my favorite day of work because while I am, you know, spackling and painting basements, I get the pleasure of listening to you guys talk about one of my favorite shows for an hour and a half every day. So thank you. Um, as far as my favorite unsung hero of Survivor, if I had to pick just one, uh, I don't know, it's hard, but I would say Taj Johnson is really up there. Um, I think she was just all around the perfect Survivor player, charismatic, great TV, decent in challenges, and also a strategic mastermind. Um, I could talk for eons about that, and if you guys ever want to have a conversation about it, please let me know. I would gladly, gladly engage with you on that. Um, But I'm curious to hear what you guys think about tonight's episode. I think it was really great. Probably the best episode of the season, in my opinion, as far as just dynamics and all. Sorry, I think I cut off, but I was just saying as far as content that we got. um, That being said, I'm curious to hear about you guys' thoughts on who got sent home tonight. Um, I think we lost two really great dynamic players in the game and characters, specifically Evie. I think that they were just a force to be reckoned with, and I'm really sad that they got sent home so quick. I was kind of hoping that we would see something shift. I know that type four is um, really, really tight, but I was kind of personally hoping that maybe Danny would get sent home just because we haven't really seen him do much and I don't really have any reason to, you know, root for him at this point. Um, outside of that, I'm curious about what you guys think about the jury currently. Um, first and foremost, don't you think, I don't know, I just thought it was weird that Nasir got to watch. I kind of think that that sways the vote for the second group because they can see who got sent home and kind of where their alliances lead. I thought it would have been better if maybe he had, you know, kind of been hidden similarly to, um, what is it? Island of the Idols where Robin Sandra couldn't be seen just so that way he could still, you know, hear the dynamic of the other tribe for his jury, uh, vote, but not really get to, I guess, um, what's the word I'm looking for to get to influence them. Um, and last but not least, Kind of sad about Tiffany's first glammed up jury look. I thought she was going to be, you know, dressed to the nines and not just in a gingham shirt. Um, That being said, great episode. Um, Excited to hear what you guys have to think from this. And furthermore, um, thanks for putting out your podcast. And I really enjoy listening to it. Thanks. Wow. Tell me more about Spackling. I'm so interested. (laughs) Uh. Yeah, I mean, Sean and I are aligned on the Taj love, that is for sure. Just hearing some of these names that people bring up makes my heart flutter. A lot there, but I I would say a lot of which, uh, thankfully, we covered. But I do think it's an interesting point you bring up about the possibility of having um, Nasir be sort of like uh, not visible to the tribe. Because, yeah, as we talked about, I just think that it influences where the votes go. But I will say I don't – I think it would have been – had someone more unexpected gone home, I think it would have had a bigger uh, implication in the next vote. But because this year wasn't like that shocking of a vote out, and and no, I don't think it was made anybody sort of like scramble. Uh, but but a good point. I'd be curious how they would feel about it uh, if they would do it if they could potentially do it differently in the future. Them being production. 
Yeah, I did think it was strange because they clearly separate them because they don't want the two teams to influence one another. And so to see the result of team one when team two is going into tribal kind of defeats that purpose a little bit. Imagine if Erica and Heather had pulled off that move against Shan, for example, and they walked in and saw Shan sitting on the jury. Uh, Maybe Xander would have played his idol for Evie. yeah, just, just, just to try to force Liana out because uh, he sees suddenly uh, a little crack forming and he could uh, potentially get into it. So I do think that it was a little bit strange. I understand that, you know, this year is now part of the jury and he should see every uh, vote moving forward. But uh, I did think that it was a little weird to watch him walk across tribal <laughs> and sit, uh, sit in the jury booth. Okay, let's go to Zach. Zach is my uh, IRL friend for many years, and he's listening to the podcast, and he's got some thoughts. Hey, Evan and Sean. My name's Zachary. I'm from Toronto. I'm a huge fan of your Instagram, Evan, and Sean, you know I'm a huge fan of you, IRL, and I'm loving this podcast. It's my favorite thing every week. Um, I don't have like really an unsung like player from Survivor, but more of a favorite player, and that would be Jerry Lynn Manthe, a.k.a. the Black Widow of Survivor. And I just love her, and I really wish she had uh, gotten uh, to that poll at the end of that immunity challenge uh, faster in Heroes vs. Villains, because uh, it would have taken her to the end, and I really would have liked to see how that would have shaken out. Um, I, I loved her redemption over that season. Um, Anyways, I'm starting to get really into this season now. Uh, I, I kind of like the shakeup that they did this week with the two separate tribals. Um, I was a little disappointed in the second vote because I really wanted to see Leanna go home, especially after that, uh, you know, I hate it. Look at his face. I hate his face. Like, she has such a hate on for Xander. And I really am impressed with Xander, like, especially earlier in the episode when um he was like i voted for nasir and he was sort of like letting that play out and cause tension among the other players and not revealing that it was him that voted for uh nasir to see it cause drama and cracks within some of the bonds within the team i think he's playing a really smart game and you know we all thought he was a himbo a few weeks ago and um i'm i'm really kind of rooting for him to go all the way to the end uh what do you guys think um anyways thank you loving the podcast so can xander go to the end i think is is the question right like is he going to be able to pull this off i think for me i am watching this and thinking he's hoarding his advantages and it must be because he is feeling super unsafe and if there's a situation say next week or the following week where he does not win immunity i think he thinks he needs to play that idol Right. I mean, I definitely and think he can, he, he can go to the end. He can? Yeah. You Do you think he can't? I think it's a real uphill battle. I mean, I think about Ben as a good example of, uh, mm. you know, plowing away to the end. But then also, who's the guy from 39 that you love that you think is hot? Mm, Dean. Dean. If you remember, like, Dean had a target on his back through so many votes. <laughs> an inch by. And so I think that given, especially looking at the scenes for next week and given the sort of fact that so ma- there's so much infighting happening within that big alliance, there's a world in which Xander, if he 
leans back enough um, and lets, you know, the the big dogs go at one another. I also feel like there could be like a bro thing with him, Danny, and Deshaun that we just haven't seen. I also feel like he could have an in with, I definitely think he and Erica have a bond and that could lead to a bond with Heather by proxy. I, I think Xander's got some moves in him that are independent of uh, his extra vote or his idol. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I could see it. I just, uh, I see him really backed into a corner right now and clearly not wanting to play his advantages for anybody but himself. And maybe maybe that's a downfall. I don't know. But uh, as we say, he- being on the bottom is oftentimes the best place to be on the show. So that's, uh, yeah. But but I do want to point out, I, I am absolutely aligned. The himbo energy that was felt at the outset, like he could not be less himbo um, for multiple reasons. I mean, one, I think he's smarter than a himbo. I also just, his, uh, no disrespect, I just like the attraction that I felt in the early days of the game has completely dissipated. And so, yeah, there's nothing, no himbo-ness about Xander at present, which is a fine, good for him. Yeah. Okay, uh, we have a slightly longer one. This is a three and a half minute uh, voice memo. <laughs> But uh, we're going to try to get it in here because I think I think some interesting points are made. Hi, Sean and Evan. My name is Eve. I'm sending you a message from Virginia. Um, I'm very excited and also a little nervous to be sending you guys a message. Um, but I love the podcast and I'm so grateful to have found it. I've been rewatching some old seasons and I feel like after binging your all's podcast, I kind of watch these old seasons with sort of a new set of eyes. Um, so I'm really grateful for y'all's perspectives. Um, but I wanted to send a message and talk about this sort of new structure that we've seen in a couple of the episodes where we've had the challenge and everything happen in roughly like the first 20 minutes. And then we're left with about 40 minutes of deliberation and the talk back at camp. This happened in the episode where Erica turned back time and again tonight, and I realized that those were both episodes where there was sort of a different dynamic back at camp where we had these two groups almost having to do two tribals, so I understand that we sort of need to a lot more time for that. Um, however, I found it a little hard to digest as a viewer. It ends up being so much of the episode structured around strategy and this talk of advantages and and who to vote and I find it really hard to pay attention and keep up um I'm thinking back on the episode you all did talking about challenges and talking about how sometimes you find like the challenge is the point in the episode where you tune out and that I think can sometimes be a reprieve um and I'm finding that when all of that action happens in the first 10 minutes the the 20 40 minute sprint to the end is is hard sometimes I'm wondering if we're going to be seeing more of this sort of structure where reward and immunity are combined into one challenge that we get at the forefront of the episode um, and then we kind of get into the meat and potatoes in the last 40 minutes. Um, I'm personally not a fan and I'd be interested to hear your all's perspective on this kind of structure. Um, you know, I, I, I like a discourse, reward, back at camp, immunity, talking, uh, tribal council type of flow it has a better like peaks and valleys in the way that it's that it's viewed and I found these two episodes in particular with the turning back time and this structure like just hard to watch yeah just not a fan 
not a fan. Feel free to edit these voice messages. I feel like I'm completely rambling on. Um, but yeah, hope, hoping to not see much more of this structure moving forward and would be interested if it's kind of crossed your all's mind at all either. And if we've seen this before, I my instinct is no, um, at least not a couple of times in a season. So anyways, loving the podcast. I look forward to it every Thursday. I think you all are a great, a great sounding board and a, and a light of a new perspective in, in the universe that is Survivor. So thank you for your interviews and for, for your, your podcast and, and all the, all the work that you guys put into it. So thanks so much. Okay. What an interesting lens to talk about. I am fascinated by this observation and the question. I am very much in favor, and I think I've mentioned this before, I'm very much in favor of separating the reward and the immunity challenges for a lot of reasons. I think that it bonds a tribe in a different way to win a reward together than it does an immunity. Obviously, the stakes are very different, but I just think there's typically a little bit more levity in the reward challenge. Um, and just the opportunity to bond over sharing something that's not just survival, you know, because it's like you win the immunity. Oh, great. We're all, none of us are going to die. Yay. Versus, oh, we're going to have grilled cheese. You know, I think that that's a huge part. And I really do blame Redemption Island for this change up. I'm not sure when the first inkling of combining reward and immunities is, but I do feel like Redemption Island made it so that they had to combine every single reward and immunity to make room for the Redemption Island challenge of each episode. And that, to me, was just a huge loss. For me. I mean, Redemption Island has uh, many strikes against it, but that is one of the one first ones that I think of um, and just really wishing that we had the opportunity to separate the two out. Yeah, I, I feel a little bit differently about this. I don't mind the reward and the immunity uh, combined because I do feel in the past we've wasted a lot of time doing two challenges in uh, one episode, especially when the challenges kind of have to be a full segment each. And then we kind of like, I've never loved it. It's got a very like staccato rhythm to it when it's like, okay, what happened after tribal? Now we're going to reward. Now we're seeing the reward. Now we're seeing a twist. Now we're seeing immunity. Now we're strategizing. Now we're going to tribal. I get the appeal of that and it's comforting and it's the format that we're used to, but I actually much prefer this format that we've been seeing because even though I'm not convinced we're seeing everything, I'm getting, I'm feeling like I have a much better sense of what's going on with the dynamics of the tribe and what's going into the decision at tribal and what's going into the vote. There's been so often in the past where a vote happens and you literally are like, what the fuck just happened? Like that had nothing to do with the conversations we saw pre-tribal. And it all seemed like uh, an editing trick to blindside, not the players, but the audience. And I hate feeling that way. I'm I am the objective audience. I should be the one with all of the information. I'm not asking for all the information, but enough of the information that I can see the vote and go, now, okay, that makes full sense to me. What happened? It could have gone a couple of ways, but it went this way. Uh, and in the past, that's not always been the case. And in this season, I feel like it is the case. And, the, you know, like I said earlier in this episode, getting this long stretch of strategizing at the two beaches pre-tribal I thought was just fascinating and to see like well this plan comes up and then this is like a wrench thrown into that plan and then oh maybe it's gone back maybe there's plan c uh, which way is it going to go we saw everything that went into all those plans imagine for example if we just saw 
uh, them throw out at the Ua beach here, the uh, the Shannon Ricard team say, oh, well, we could vote for Nasir. This might be an opportunity to get Nasir out. And then we go to tribal and they use that extra vote and they have this vote split. And like, I feel like that would be an older season way of portraying that. And here we actually got that conversation about give me the extra vote and choose the extra vote. Even though we didn't get all the information that went into it, we can look at it, think about it for like five minutes and figure out exactly what happened there. And that yeah, I really no appreciate. arguments. No arguments at all. I, I think then the solution is make the episode 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. I think that's yeah. well, what I'm also I'm very pro that. Yeah, because I everything you say, yes, I needed everything you talked about, but I also think that we can <laughs> it's just give us more time. More time yeah. is always better. Okay. Uh, I think that we have to leave it there today. How many more do we so, have? Uh, we had two more and then three more came in while we were recording. <laughs> oh my God. Guys. I know. Should I do a okay. random that came in while we were recording? Yeah. I'm nervous. I don't like not knowing what's in it. <laughs> okay. Uh, this is from somebody who has never uh, sent us a voice memo before. It's from Adam. Hey, guys. This is Adam. I'm an expat in Berlin. I really love your podcast because I don't have a lot of people to talk about Survivor with, especially uh, over the ocean. So I appreciate that you guys feel like two friends just digesting the show the same way I would. Um, Half the reason I'm messaging you is just to gush about Brenda. She's my favorite unsung hero. I hope you have her on the pod sometime. I just think she's an absolute queen. I love what she did to Don to get get revenge on the heartbreak vote out in Karamoan. Uh, I think she was a threat to win both of her seasons. And I just think she's so fun to watch and a complete joy as well um so yeah if you could share your thoughts and feelings on brenda secondly this is something they talked about on rob has a podcast regarding last night's episode but i'm curious for your take on the extra advantages in play it seems like all the focus has gone on the idols but last night we obviously saw shan use her extra vote in a really weird way i guess maybe she was just doing it to appease Ricard and appease the situation somehow, but didn't it kind of feel like a burned vote? Secondly, um, Jeff read three votes before Nasir was voted out. This is something that Rob and Steven talked about on their podcast, but that would imply that there were four votes cast if three was needed to vote Nasir out, which would suggest that by using an extra vote in the preliminary vote, in the first real vote, when you go to a revote, you also get two votes again. And that means that there's this whole other strategy Xander could have deployed that would have allowed him to use his extra vote and then send Deshaun and Danny into drawing rocks. Maybe you can explain that clearly for for, uh, listeners, but it seems like a missed opportunity if that's the case. So... I'm just confused about these extra votes or steal of votes or whatever is in play. And uh, I'm curious why nobody is talking about them in this game. And they're all just focused on the, uh, the idols. So maybe you guys have some thoughts about those. Thanks. Thank okay. you for calling yeah. in. <laughs> yes. First of all, good morning, Berlin. <laughs> Secondly, Brenda, queen, icon, legend. Where to even begin? 
We will definitely do an episode on Brenda down the line, and an interview would be lovely. Uh, definitely something we're thinking about. But deal or no deal? Yeah, I, <laughs> I appreciate her being back up. Okay, one thing I do want to mention though, because we do have to hop. Wait, off. somebody told me that they thought that they saw Brenda in an advertisement for Spirit Halloween this year. That tracks. I would love to see that. I'll ask her, though, because let's get confirmation on that for next week. Okay, this is what I ask. I love these voice memos so much. I'm, I am think I speak on behalf of both of us. We're so heartened by them. It breaks my heart not to play every single one. I so know. because of that, please, I appreciate the lengthy discourse. I get it. Believe me, I am the least pithy person. <laughs> if everyone can please, please, please try to keep your voice memo under one minute, not because we don't want to hear from you for a half an hour. We played that three and a half minute one because we there do. was so we much worth hearing. But we can't possibly do the recap, which we're already too long-winded on, <laughs> and get your voice memos in. And I do not want to have another week in which we're not playing voice memos that you all are generously recording for us. Please get them down to one minute. Please try and get them to us before 8 a.m., on Thursday mornings and I just I we apologize that we weren't able to play them all but please understand like we this is like a fun little side project for us that grows and grows in scope and like we have to report to our regular jobs now <laughs> yeah uh so okay great points about the extra vote and the the extra votes versus the idols of course we talked a lot about uh, what you brought up and I'm glad people are talking about this and thinking about it I think one of the questions that sticks out for me is did Shan burn her extra vote because maybe she did uh you know it was a great great safety plan like I said I think it was an amazing play but it ultimately wasn't necessary right and it's always hard to say whether that's a waste or not, because I think that they played it as well as they could have. But is there an element to this where they could have read the other players a little bit better to know that they didn't need to play that extra vote? Totally. I think the one good thing is, though, she still has the idol, which is a lot more powerful exactly. than the extra vote. So it's not as though uh, she blew everything you know, burn the house down. It's like she, like, you know, she lit a match in a room, it caught, but like she can, you know, blow it out. I don't yeah. know where yeah. that metaphor came from. <laughs> I do think that, I do think that the Xander situation really highlights for me, at least, that an extra vote is a super powerful advantage if played right. Because often I think about an extra vote as being like a whatever. It's not going to make a difference. It's like, meh who cares? I really don't put much weight on an extra vote compared to say an idol, but actually in a situation like the extra vote that was played uh, against Nasir and the extra vote that could have been played against Liana, uh, it actually can be incredibly powerful and truly make the difference, especially when we're in these small numbers uh, about who goes home. Absolutely. Okay. We're going to have to call it quits here. I very much apologize for all of you who sent voice memos that I couldn't play. I am personally going to respond to them, uh, which I often do. Sometimes people send voice memos and then we just get into a back and forth conversation for like an hour about uh, other things that they brought up. So, so we appreciate it so, so much. Uh, continue to send them. I, I hate having to pick and choose which ones are going to make it onto the show, but every single one fills my heart with joy. And it does really inform the way I'm watching the show and thinking about the show afterwards. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Aligned. In the meantime, 
Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast so you don't miss our recap next week. I know we have been promising interviews uh, for some time now, and we do have some exciting ones coming up, and they will come just as soon as uh, we get them nailed down and recorded. Well, we uh, have some. Yeah, we've got them. We've got them. We just... Yeah. Longer story. Complicated, <laughs> they're complicated coming. situation, but they're coming. They're coming. <laughs> we promise. And they're really exciting. Okay. Thank you so much for listening. Continue sending your voice memos. Continue interacting with us on Instagram and Twitter if you'd like. Make sure to rate and review the podcast if you like it and tell your friends about it. Until next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.